Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Bad End Podcast. I am Katie McCarthy and I am joined, as always, by my lovely co-host... Josh Calixto here, everybody. (laughs) And today, Kyle will not be joining us because... He is at Tribeca, I believe. I don't know. I don't even know what his let job me, is. Let me honestly. give you a real quick rundown. <laughs> Kyle works at a VR company, uh, and they have a, a thing at Tribeca, actually. I went and saw it last week. Uh, maybe I could talk about that experience a little bit later while Kyle is, is absent. That could be kind of cool. Um, but yeah, so he's been working at Tribeca like nonstop for like two weeks straight because so, that's this is like his whole year's worth of work here. So, uh, we understand why he's gone. Yeah, that's, like, a lot of work, but to fill in, we scrambled this morning, we were supposed to record today, and then, you know, Kyle was like, oh wait, I can't record after all. So, we scrambled, we found a replacement, and we are joined by the illustrious freelancer, (laughs) Reed McCarter. The incomparable (laughs) Reed McCarter. (laughs) The illustrious fle- freelancer. I almost said freelancer. <laughs> I couldn't think of a. F- I was like, okay, this is. I have to think of a phrase right now to describe Reed. So, I mean, you freelance a lot. So, illustrious I- seems like a right word. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna put that on a business card now. I wish I was illustrious. That'd be awesome. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, tireless. No, I get tired a lot. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, like, in the DNA of any freelancers, just to always be tired, live, yeah. live on coffee, you know, all the shit. That's what I'm doing right now. So, Reed, what is, what's, uh, why don't you introduce yourself real quick? Uh, I've, I've written for, where have I been writing recently? I've been writing a lot for Paste lately. Um, I used to write for Killscreen, which was a video game website you guys might be familiar with. <laughs> um, and uh, I don't know. I've I've written a bit of stuff for Waypoint. Been on PC Gamer and used to write for Playboy.com. And I uh, just wrote something for GQ. So all over the place. Not not uh, not Josh Calixto's Rolling Stone, but maybe <laughs> one day. I feel like we keep bre- or Kyle especially keeps bringing up the Joshua Calixto of Rolling Stone thing, and I feel like we have not describe that whole thing to our listeners at all so josh can you can you catch us up on that or catch up our listeners on that uh so i i wrote a piece about a hearthstone player called kripurian and i did like a profile on him but usually like there's no real profiles of esports players so like Mm -hmm. the hearthstone subreddit like they were just like there were some dudes in there complimenting me and someone said props to joshua calixto of rollingstone.com who actually knows for actually knowing what he's talking about so uh that's been kind of like my claim to legitimacy is this yeah. one random redditor who got like i think he had like nine <laughs> upvotes on that comment too it was like somewhere in the middle of the thread but like everyone kept pointing it out because it was so like ridiculous and then you printed it out and showed your parents and grandparents it's not on my wall or anything like that you know just uh yeah sure. it is i can i can see it right behind no. you yeah <laughs> that's not that's not what that is <laughs> <laughs> so reed what games have you been playing uh what games have i been playing i just finished playing what remains of edith finch uh 
because I'm writing a review of that. Um, so I'm I'm 95% of the way to figuring out exactly what I think about that game. Uh, Katie, I think you played it too, didn't you? Yeah, I played it earlier this week, and I, I have a review, I think, going up tomorrow of it, and yeah, I I really like that game. More than I expected to. Like, I kind of... I kind of wish I, because I've played it two times in separate demos, and I kind of wish I hadn't gone to those demo events because I mm-hmm. feel like going into that experience really fresh is way better than like I had already played two of the scenarios in it. So it's kind of like getting to those points. I was like, oh, so I feel like this almost feel like feels better in the context of the game as a whole than just like plucking it out and playing it. So yeah, but yeah. I yeah, I really I really like the literary nature of it, and I know there's gonna be people who, like slap the whole walking simulator label label on it, which I don't think is really fair because I think what it's doing is like really different. Also, who cares? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Like that's such a. I feel like walking simulator is like used as like an insult to like games that are like minimal interaction, and that's really stupid because like they're still games; they still do what games do and it's just like they're not about like shooting or running and jumping or whatever the fuck but yeah and Edith Finch actually does that kind of cool thing where it starts off and it it feels like Gone Home or something where Mm -hmm. uh, you're this young woman from a first person perspective like going through this house and everything's still and you no one's there and you kind of think you're just gonna I don't know pick up different diaries and everything but then you pick one up and all of a sudden you're a cat and then you're, yeah. uh, and it, because it's this little girl telling the story about um, how she likely has some kind of disease or something, and she's she can't get like she she just is hungry all the time. Yeah. Um, or it's it's kind of I think meant to be sort it, of ambiguous. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like meant to be ambiguous. I I saw it as like she was choking or something like she yeah i don't know like that's kind of how i read it as but like obviously there's like the whole like oh is this all really supernatural like who knows like it's it's left like ambiguous on purpose when well, i also t- oh sorry oh sorry uh when i t- <laughs> didn't mean to cut you off but um when i talked to ian dallas i think i think this is i was supposed to do like a profile-ish thing on him for Killstream Magazine, which is now dead. So that story's just never going to happen. But I interviewed him for that, and he told me that he was inspired by a lot of, like, more... I I don't want to say, like, morally ambiguous, but I guess, like, in terms of, like, a haunting sense, like, ambiguous books, like The Haunting on... The Haunting of Hill House, I think, that's Shirley Jackson book. Mm -hmm. Um... And just, like, all these narratives that you don't know which... Or, like, I think Turn of the Screw is something else he mentioned, which is, like, a super ambiguous... Like, you don't know if that woman's, like, malicious or not. And he kind of approached uh, Edith Finch, like... He didn't want players to come away from it with all the answers, like, laid out for them. He wanted them to, like, come up... Kind of, like, draw their own conclusions from it themselves, which I think is really smart. Especially, like, by the end of that game, you kind of can, like... I guess dream up your own narrative in a way of like how things happened well it has that yeah it has that really cool thing of that I like in magical realism um, Mm -hmm. where you definitely get the tone of what's happening and you feel you almost feel things more emotionally than you do 
uh, it's kind of like by not knowing the fine details of everything, it mm -hmm. bypasses a lot of your brain trying to work out what everything means. And um, I mean, that still happens. This might not be the best way to put it, but it kind of gets right to uh, if you abstract things like the little girl turning into these different animals, um, it, it's getting at kind of her central character in a way that you can't when you're just describing exactly what she's thinking. And the story kind of works that way, too, where by the end of it, you, even if you don't know exactly what was happening, you, and, and you kind of do, but you can yeah. interpret things in different ways. But, you know, it's it's like everything with, in art, when it's a bit abstracted, where you, it kind of maybe hits you more directly than it would, um, I don't know, I feel like that sounds like a blanket rule for, <laughs> you know, which obviously it isn't, but like. Yeah, so, you can you can take away different things from it. You can fit your own experiences onto it a bit more. What is the so like you're a little girl who turns into a cat? Is that what this game is about, or what is the what does remain oh. of Edith Finch? So so the game <laughs> I, I probably should, or I guess we probably should have set this up. So what remains of Edith Finch? You play as Edith Finch, who is the last living member of the Finch family, and she's inherited her old family house from her mom. I think who just passed away. And she's like 17 years old, so she's like a teenager. She wander or she goes back to this house, and it's like this really decrepit, like super tall house in the middle of like for this forested island, I think, in like the Pacific Northwest. And she like it's it's kind of like the Winchester Mystery House in a way. It's like they basically just kept building and building on this already existing house because they mm. when a when a person would die in the, this family that was like kind of cursed they wouldn't like clear out the rooms they just like kind of like leave their rooms as they are and just board them up and then they just move on so it's like every floor is like a different generation of this family and basically like you explore this house but there's like i don't think you go through any doors in that game it's like all through like crawling through like crawl spaces and like all these hidden yeah. passages so it's this kind of like a labyrinth how like labyrinthine like I don't know, mansion, I guess. But, yeah, you, you creep into this girl Molly's room. I think she died in, like, 1947 or something. And basically, like, you pick up her journal, and then you get... You kind of, like, adopt her perspective. So you're, like, oh, you're, you're now playing through this, like, vignette of this girl's life, like, right before she, like, presumably dies. But every... Every single, like, section in that game of the, like, little scenarios are so different from, like, the last one. Like, they have different little, like, gameplay quirks, and sometimes they have different, st like, art styles entirely. Like, there's one that's, like, a comic book panel, and it's, like, you're going through, like, a comic book. And then there's, like, another one of just, like, a kid swinging. And it's, like, they all have these, like, really different... Because they feel... They really feel like you're adopting the perspective. And it's such a hard thing to write about or, like, just talk about, too, because it's, like... <laughs> yeah. You really only like know how like like it's one of those things where you feel it while you're playing it because it's like oh i'm this other person now and like i feel like games a lot like play with this concept of like walking in someone else's shoes but it's so rare for games to actually like make good on that promise but edith finch like really does i feel like when i was i've been playing near Autom automata recently and it's like that's another one where it's kind of hard to describe like just what the hell's going on with the game itself because it's always switching from one perspective to another and it's like mm -hmm. now you're a mecha and it switches to like a twin stick shooter and then it switches to like a brawler with shooting elements 
and it's just like all over the place and it kind of defies explanation in that way and like I think that's one thing that I really dig that's kind of underexplored in video games because I had never really seen anything like that before um before near but I think that's something that sounds really cool about this Edith Finch game is like switching up the art style switching up perspectives and like something a nice yeah. addition it's it's uh really neat because it feels like in a lot of games you have the way it plays first and then the narrative you know or mm-hmm. whatever kind of story they're trying to tell is is shoved into whatever that is um and so you know sometimes that works really well sometimes it's it's awkward frankenstein monster um <laughs> but these yeah. ones it's like hey we want to show a kid who uh, i'm trying to think of good examples that aren't from too late in the game i mean the the little girl is a good example how she yeah. she isn't living inside her own head. She um, is kind of having this waking dream, and and so it's like, hey, she feels like a cat because she can explore and climb up all these trees, and and then later it might be like what Katie was saying with the kid on the swing. Um, you know, the the core interaction is built upon saying this something happens to this kid in this situation. How does that interaction work? So you feel it. Um, I feel like I'm like doing a terrible job of trying to describe how this works. Um, did you cry? But uh, no, it did not pass the cry test. I got close, or <laughs> like I was like really teary-eyed at the end, and I feel like it ends on like a big old cliche. So I felt kind of like yeah, corny being teary-eyed, but also I was like, I don't know, like I felt like I knew that family by the end of that. Like, it's such a weird thing. It's, like, pretty much everyone's dead in it. And you get to, like, spend this, like, very short amount of time with, like, everyone in this family. And also, you're kind of going through the spaces they lived in. So, it just... I don't know. It, like, hit me in a way I didn't anticipate it, too. Um, and some are, like... Some of the little vignettes are better than others. Like, there are some yeah. that are just, like, whatever. But for them, like, as a whole, I think it's it's really, per- like, powerful. I mean, the one of the problems... And like I've been writing this review, I like, I like this game. I'm not. Uh, I think I like it sort of more intellectually than I do. Like it didn't really speak to me as much as I kind of thought it would, mm-hmm. uh, on like a personal level. But some of it is, the dialogue's like not great, in a lot of it, and the voice acting's like pretty hit or miss between the different yeah, the, characters. The, yeah, the voice acting's definitely hit or miss. I feel like that kind of. The ones that I liked the most were the ones with, like, like there's one vignette of, like, a baby in a bathtub, yeah. and the, the father's narrating over that, and that yeah. is such, like, a really, really good uh, part that's of the my, game. That's, I think that's my favorite one. I wouldn't want to really describe yeah. exactly what happens, because yeah. that was probably it's... the most, like, striking moment in that entire game. Yeah, same. I agree. But, um, yeah, the other thing, too, is just because it has this format where each character because there's like the finch family curse or whatever you know that each one of these characters is going to die at the end of their own little vignette and some of them are you know really sad and some of them are almost like the end of i think the way i put it in the review i'm writing is that it's like the end of like a sketch comedy show it's just like you know it's leading up to this like how are they gonna die and then some of them are I mean, I don't want to explain all of them because it is an interesting game and people should play it, but I laughed a few times and Did then someone slip on a banana? 
Uh, close. Someone step <laughs> on a rake. All there say is, is one. There's a there's hunting one. trip one. Katie. Oh yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Well, I kind of like the, the old Cheney. Like, <laughs> I, I dug the way that one is framed through like the camera. I yeah. just wish that. I just wish that one was a little better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's kind of. I mean. Yeah. That's probably how I feel about most of this game. Is. I love so much of the approach, and I love what it's trying to do, and it's gets most of the way there. It's real. I don't know. It's interesting. It's like two hours long, so yeah, I it's think... super short. It's kind of like the perfect like afternoon game. Yeah, I I think people should check it out if they, you know, if any of that sounds interesting, because it is it is a really neat way to show that you can. I don't know. It, it feels like a game where they had the ideas for the stories and then built the game on top of that, which. I mean, it should be maybe how every game is made, but they clearly mm-hmm. are. I mean, so. I don't think games should have stories. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just get rid of them, yeah. I think games are better off without stories, honestly. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's that's a good point, Josh. <laughs> Please elaborate. You should, re- you should pitch an article to the Atlantic Does anybody want to rebut that? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore, I don't. I don't. Wanna... Oh, God. Ugh. Games. Anyway. <laughs> speaking of other games that are very flawed and uh, hard to really like, I saw Kyle's game at... at... <laughs> Just, kidding. Damn. Just kidding, Kyle. That's um, rough. No, I'll talk about. Is it a game? No, it's not. It's. I mean, it's a. It's an. Ex, it's a quote VR experience type thing. Okay, that's what I thought. That's what I thought it was. I, didn't, I was like, do you make a video yeah. game? I'll talk about. Hey, I'll talk about it. Um, but hold on, Josh and Katie, what, what? What is a game then? You know, if if this is a VR experience. <laughs> oh shit. And if I mean, or... like a game has interaction in it. Of some sort. I feel like that's the qualifier. Like VR experiences are like usually stagnant unless there's like some interaction going on. I know that. That's okay, my, that's, that's David my O'Reilly's Mountain is not a game. Gone Home, not hey. a game. <laughs> that's Gone Home. You pick up stuff. Mountain, Kermel you space program, not a game. Oh my god. <laughs> um, I feel that was unfair because Katie actually responded with like a good point about. <laughs> VR experiences. <laughs> I took that question seriously. <laughs> we all did at some point. Um, I so this this thing is is Kyle's kind of like pride and joy, his blood, sweat, and tears. His baby. His baby, and it's called Blackout, and it's really neat. And what it is is, um, it's basically you you get onto a New York City subway, and um you're kind of chilling on the subway and then just these people around you just kind of appear in the seats and they just start telling their life stories basically like or stories from their lives i should say and what's really cool about it is that these are actual people that the the company that kyle's company actually got and you know they sort of have them sitting in this really awesome big vr kind of capture rig that Kyle was also showing me because he's like super into like technical stuff and like yeah like we have this depth <laughs> perception shit that's like and he was telling me all this like technical stuff that I didn't really get but all of this is to say that it captures people and it can like put their shapes into 
this VR world that you're sort of sitting in. And um, they have mm-hmm. real recordings of the people. Um, so you're, you're just, they're kind of just telling your, their stories and you can kind of look at one of them and then it'll focus on their voice as they're telling their story. And it's really neat because it just feels like you're just sitting with someone on the train and just listening to them talk about something like an important moment in their life. Some of them are just kind of like shooting the shit, talking about random stuff. Some of them are um, telling like just really intimate stories about like a serious moment that happened in their lives. And um, you can kind of just choose who you want to pay attention to and who you focus on. I kind of moved a little bit between the people who are speaking. Um, But yeah, it's really neat. It feels like you're just like spending some time with someone. And the way that the, the graphics are work sort of right now is like it's it's kind of a limited system i think kyle can probably speak to this more the next time he's on the show because i i obviously can't speak to this to the extent that he can but um you're kind of just it, the faces are kind of nondescript because it doesn't capture every single like facial feature but it's kind of nice because mm. it feels like almost like pixelated and sort of like low fidelity but it still feels like you're looking at something that like that was rec- recording of an actual person in a real space so it doesn't like reach the uncanny valley level of like this looks too real type thing which i feel like is a trap that it could easily fall into but it's also not like so shitty looking that it's jarring or anything like that so i really like that aspect of it and um yeah it was just really neat kind of like walking around this subway space because they actually had like a set sort of thing where it was like actually a subway you can sit down in the seat you could like hang on to the, the pole and it was like this whole long probably like 20 foot installation that they had but you can like walk through it and stuff so it was really neat seeing that it's at if anybody's in new york you can check it out at tribeca's vr sort of exhibit thing that they have going on it's it's live for a little while so go check that out it's called blackout that sounds that sounds really cool yeah for sure i had no idea he was working on shit like that <laughs> yeah kyle is a, i feel terrible no he's a he's a he's a busy guy he's he's got a lot going on and he's a he's doing some cool things and you know what props to you kyle if you're listening to this you did good man i'm proud wherever of you. you are good job kyle as your father i'm proud of where you've gone <laughs> i i can see that that uh idea being used to make something super uncomfortable with the idea of like being having someone telling you their story on a train on a subway train yeah i i Maybe it's bad that that's the first place my head went was like when someone sits next to you on the subway and they're just talking to you and about things that you don't want to hear about really but loudly. The nice thing insistently. about VR is that like by that point you've already put on the headset and like you know what yeah. the, the thing is. So you want to listen to their story. You're there ostensibly. You're there to listen to them talk about a moment in their lives and uh, hear something really sincere um and oh the other thing that's kind of cool about it too is that like every time you start it up again it's like a new set of people so you don't see the same people every time um if you do it multiple times which is kind of neat is the train like full of people like it's it's not just um there's like i want to say not just a few around you 10 people on the train 10 15 people that you can kind of just and you you kind of just tune it's probably like seven minutes long and you kind of like look at a person and then it plays their audio so you're listening Mm. to them and then but you can only listen to so much and their stories like keep going so 
if you don't listen to someone like you'll miss part of their story and you can kind of hop in and in the middle of the story and catch more of what they're saying and stuff like that that's cool neat yeah i didn't know kyle was so talented <laughs> i know this is like a revelation I no offense thought, kyle i just thought he was the third <laughs> co-host of bad end podcast that's his only claim to fame just... i thought that was his whole career no. <laughs> oh, he's, he's doing cool stuff what else have you been playing josh besides kyle's cool vr thing oh um i've been playing some mobile stuff like i started playing hidden folks if you guys have picked that up yet i'm not sure it's basically like if you think of where's waldo but it's on your phone type of thing and it's interactive and it's just really charming man like to me the big takeaway of this game is just how much fun it is to kind of just interact with hand-drawn artwork and just it feels very homemade in a way that a lot of other games kind of don't come off to me even games where I feel like the aesthetic is is that it feels like Etsy fight or like done by by hand type thing like the swapper for instance where that was all like claymation or like made out of felt and shit like that and like Lumino City which was super handcrafted um it didn't feel like to the same extent to me as like this sort of does because it all feels like sketches in someone's notebook and it feels like you're really just kind of messing around with it but at the same time it's not like it doesn't feel like cheap you know it, it feels it still feels <laughs> like an interactive and and good thing is that the is hidden folks is it all black and white and kind of yeah I think so. Like sparse yeah. work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... Yeah, I can kind of picture that. I haven't played it though. Yeah, it's on it's on iPhone and stuff like that, so it's pretty easy to just pick it up. Um, and I I just really dig that it's so detailed. Like it, it, you're really looking at something that someone spent a lot of time making, um, but it does feel very like made by hand. Uh, there is that game that's probably the polar opposite of this approach <laughs> um and it was free on playstation plus uh this like david jaffe game have you guys heard of this it's called oh drawn to death yeah and uh it's, oh, uh, yeah. josh if you love hand-drawn <laughs> video games that look like they take oh place in someone's God. sketchbook i played the tutorial and i was like the maybe the most off-putting i think it's I heard this on a podcast, I don't remember what podcast it was, but someone called it aggressively unplayable, and I feel like that's like the most accurate description I've heard about it. It's just yeah. like the humor's bad, the art's bad, it's just so in your face. It's like doesn't feel good to play, it's like mechanically terrible too. So it's just like everything bad you can cram into a game just like all shoved in there. And it's a nightmare. It's yeah, it's, it's super unpleasant. <laughs> it's so unpleasant. Oh, yeah. Like, watch it. It's the this most unpleasant. This looks like Sid from Toy Story's, like, notebook. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really... Oh, my God. That's perfect. Like, uh, so thematically, it's supposed to be, like, literally, like, a 13-year-old kid's, like, notebook or whatever. But it's still so fucking gross and annoying and ugly and yeah. just, like, bad. It doesn't feel good to play. The humor is just, like so it's like offensive for the sake of being offensive and just like it's just bad it's not even funny it's just bad like there's no redeeming quality of it yeah did you 
did you play a bit of it, Katie, or did you just see it? I did, yeah. Well, yeah. I didn't. I haven't played since it came out. I played it at like events, like random like event like PlayStation experience, I think, and like a few other things. Just oh, I've just played it while it's been around and been promoted, and it's just so ugly but, and bad. Okay, before you guys pass judgment on this game, are you guys understanding the <laughs> double entendre of drawn to death? You guys are getting that. Uh, oh, oh, <laughs> like oh, I'm never mind. Uh, I feel so, I feel bad being so dismissive of this game, but also like having not played it more than probably like an hour overall. But it's just like I've watched video of it, and I'm like, yeah, this game's just like nothing. <laughs> it's probably, yeah, it's, it, I shouldn't yeah. have God, I shouldn't have brought it like, up. But dude, just... it's like it's, <laughs> I feel like the the textures are all hand drawn like by pen or something, which is cool. But it's like they put it onto <laughs> They just like it just looks like a mess. They onto three like D figures and models, so it just looks like they crumpled yeah. a piece of paper. Uh, around, I want to like, stop talking about this game. I'm just getting upset <laughs> hearing about it. Oh my god! Ugh. Kitty, what... I like. Uh... <laughs> you should do a live stream of it, a marathon, uh, twenty four hours. No. I'm good with like not doing that. <laughs> Drawn to death. I'm good. I don't like. I saw it was downloadable, and I didn't even like. I think it was free. I don't even have it on my library. Like, that's how... I was like, I'm not even gonna... There's no reason I should give this a shot. Aside from, like, what I've already played of it, and watching video of it, and just... It's just grating. It just looks like a grating Also, game. this is like... I, Davey, this is like what David Jaffe thinks a 13-year-old yeah. is thinking about. Like... Yeah, I feel like a 13-year-old is not this fucking stupid. <laughs> like... No, like, even... Year olds, like, like thirteen years will just playing like Five Nights at Freddy's or whatever the fuck, and like they're, they're fine. They're like they'll probably play Call of Duty too. It's like they're, not this dumb. And also like when kids draw stuff in their notebook, they are imagining it as something different in their head. Like it's not a world that takes place inside a notebook. Josh, you don't understand. Yeah. Okay. You know? <laughs> I drew. All these stories about cursing men in my notebooks and I lived in there. <laughs> it was my refuge, okay? Oh, we man. didn't all have the cozy upbringing that you had. Some of us had to live in our notebooks. Was Canada really hard? Yeah, it's brutal. <laughs> it's brutal. We all... Hard place to grow up. Yeah, it's it's absolutely terrible and we all live in notebooks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry uh, I brought that game up. I just thought of it. It's okay. It's all good, man. I mean, that, that's good. Like, I got that out of my system. I feel better now. Yo, there's a shark I... with, like, its boobs <laughs> hanging out. Yeah. What is yeah. this? Yeah, Josh is back in again. <laughs> <laughs> this He's is too it much, you guys. All right. I'm done talking. You can't. Um, I guess I'll. I'm gonna change the subjects. I can't mm -hmm. take this Go anymore. Ahead, please. Um. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm. I'm finally playing Gravity Rush Two, which oh. is really good. Like I did not expect it because I bounced off the first one really hard. Like I thought the music's really great and like the world is really cool and I like the. I, I feel like I wanted to like it more than I actually did because it was just like not fun to play and gave me a lot of like motion sickness. Mm -hmm. But. Gravity Rush 2 is just it feels more fluid and attack like combat still really sucks but it's just like really charming and 
it's really pretty. It's like one of my, probably my favorite video game cities because like this very vast, like beautiful layered world where there's like all these different districts and they're all like have their own like personalities and they're super far away from each other. They're all like floating in the sky. Like I feel like it's almost what Bioshock Infinite wanted Columbia to be, but didn't do successfully. And this is like <laughs> the realist realization of that. I mean, it's not the same like thematically, but it's like in terms of like a big massive floating city that's like really fun to explore like gravity rush 2 like super nails it and i'm like 20 hours in maybe so i'm like kind of near i'm like in the third i'm like in the third act right now so okay so i was gonna say that sounds cool but i don't think i can like maybe for a year play any game that's longer than 10 hours (laughs) again for a long long time yeah i'm kind of like i because I just finished like a million games in a row so I'm just, I was playing like a bunch of smaller games like I played Edith Finch and then I played Little Nightmares and uh, Puyo Puyo Tetris which is like kind of the perfect like decompressor over like those millions of long games I played in a row mm-hmm. and then I hopped into Gravity Rush 2 and it's like longer than I expected it would be but I've been like really enjoying it and I've really been enjoying the side missions a lot more than like the main missions they're all like super mundane it's like when I help find this like dog's lost frisbee and then i played frisbee with the dog and then at the end of it i got an item that i can equip that where dogs just like in the wild are like drawn to me and they'll just like follow me around it's really cool what i just like it's so good i I like that a lot is that item just like some beef jerky in your pocket it is there's there are these items called ta- talismans which is and then you just equip them but there's one where dogs will just it's literally that's the only thing the item does it's just like oh dogs will now be drawn to cat and cats the main character <laughs> it's really funny that's i like that i love the way that game looks i haven't i played yeah, the it's... the little demo that they put out for it like i think it was around new years or so um, yeah, it's it's way better than... I feel bad for it because, like, it came out the worst time. It came out right around when Yakuza 0 came out, so everyone was just, like, hot on that shit. And then all those games came out in, like, March and April, so it just, like, had no time to really shine. And it's, like, gone, like, a DLC expansion and everything. Like, it's gotten, like, a lot of stuff, and just no one... I don't think it sold that well. I don't think many people played it. And it's it's kind of a bummer because like I re- I'm real I feel like they got it right with this one where they didn't get it right with the the first one because the first one was kind of like a mess. Yeah, the but, first one was yeah. that city in the first one was super cool. Um, yeah, I remember it was kind of like it it felt like you were in like a dream or something though, trying to make her go where you wanted her to go because the control is all. I feel this, like that was mostly because be the Vita too. Like yeah, the, it could be. It just, it was just like not. It would never feel like it cooperated. It just felt clunky and bad. Whereas like it seems, it feels so much more refined and like fluid. And I literally like, and there's like different like outfit. I didn't get that far in the first one, so I don't know if this is the thing in the new one. But there's like different modes where it's like there's one where you're super floaty, and you can like do these giant mm. jumps without using your like gravity powers or whatever and there's like another one where you're like super heavy so if you're like trying to get somewhere fast you can like equip that and you just like fall super fast and there's just like all these different methods and just like zipping to like the side of a building and then walking along that building and then like 
doing this like slide and jumping off and just flying through the air. It's just like so satisfying and like an exploratory way that I feel like open world games especially never really are. It's just like, oh, I'm going to run around and wreak havoc. And Gravity Rush 2 is like, I'm just going to fly around and like enjoy my surroundings because there's no fucking enemies around here. And it's just like people living their lives and it feels like really lived in. That's cool. I, there's battles um later in the game like battles just randomly kind of spawn in the like city like the open world areas but for the most part those are kind of refined to like missions so like if you're going on a side mission sometimes it's like oh we're gonna go to this mining area and we'll fight the nevi i think the enemies are called um mm. and there's like bosses and stuff too but i don't i think the combat's kind of the weakest part in that game it's not like terrible like it was in the first gravity rush but it's just like and i kind of like just flying around better and i like the speedy stuff like trying to get to a place in time of manner and whatnot oh does she this is an important question does she still have that that black cat that's like covered in stars yeah With that her? cat's still there dusty okay. i think the name's out yeah right. okay good <laughs> good that's important yeah dusty's cool I'm writing that <laughs> down in my notebook Dusty's Dusty's cool. (laughs) Gravity Rush Two, full colon. Dusty is cool. (laughs) Anyone else? Yeah, that that game's really. It surprised me because I I I was kind of like I saw pictures of the city and I was like, wow, this game looks really pretty, but I didn't really expect to enjoy playing it so much. I just got it just because I felt like, oh, I, I missed this game when it came out. I need to. I have time now. I can finally check it out. And I'm enjoying it, and that's weird. <laughs> no, that's cool. I want to check that out when I don't know when. When it's on sale. When things stop coming out, also oh, yeah. for a little bit. I mean, we're kind of oh, praise coming out soon. I guess that's not. <laughs> and Bethesda will get that like out one day before because that's their new policy. But yeah, that's uh, yeah. It's super helpful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> so helpful. For us in games writing, huh. <laughs> I don't have to review it, so fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, a thanks a lot, Arizona Katie. Iced tea. I played Little Nightmares. Have any, either of you guys played that at all? Uh, no, but I think I think I will be because I want to write about that. It looks it looks neat. It's so fucking scary. Like it's legitimately terrifying. Like in a way that's not like jump scary. Uh-huh. And it just, like, really has this really... I don't know how to describe it. Uh, like... Scary... Uh, scary atmosphere sounds stupid. I don't... I can't think of the word to describe this right now, but it... I've seen a lot of people compare this game to Tim Burton, and I feel like that's so off-base, because that's not what this game's really doing. <laughs> it feels, like, very... I don't know. It feels almost like... And my, I wrote like a little thing, not, not like a full review of it. I wrote like a little, like analysis type thing. But um, it feels very much like the stories you'd read, like scary stories to tell in the dark, like the old. Um, God, I can't think of the author's name right now. But what, like they're illustrated by like Stephen Gamel, and there's like if you look at the cover, you know what I'm yeah, talking those about. Are scary as well. Yeah, they're so scary, but they were like designated for kids. They're children's books, and they're. But the stories in them are also, like, very eerie, and they all are super different and, like, unsettling in, like, their own ways. And they're also, like, 
when you read them as a kid, you kind of believe they're real a bit because they just yeah. feel, they all they're always like find themselves like at home in like this mundane like almost domestic thing and then it becomes like terrifying and i feel like little nightmares kind of hits on that where it just feel it's like this extremely unsettling world where like everything's really large or you're just really small and there's like this one monster in particular in the beginning i don't think the second monster is as scary nor the third but the first one is this guy and he's like only a torso and he has like little feet at the end of his torso he doesn't have legs so he just like looks like a walking torso but he has big feet and he's he's blind but he can smell and he can feel around with his like very long arms and it's like the scariest shit ever <laughs> like it's so scary it like i like there'd be times it's like okay i can hear him in this fucking room and i have to walk in here this is gonna be the worst and then i'd just be like me walking in there waiting for him to get distracted or whatever like every room has like a different kind of like method like there's somewhere it's like you have to just like run past him and just hope he doesn't grab you and just i hate it it's so scary huh. and the, but the art style is like it's by the same people who did like little big planet three and i think which is terrifying <laughs> yeah it's like the opposite <laughs> but like the art style kind of like harkens back to that kind of like almost like tangible like claymation e kind of feel oh yeah yeah um so it feels very like childlike in the way it's illustrated but it's just like the super grim and bleak world which hmm. i think maybe that's where people are drawing the tim burton comparison but i mean i don't really see tim Burton. tim burton's more like always seems to like halloween like but it's scary yeah and it's cool. kind of like tim burton <laughs> stuff is like he's winking the entire time like it's, yeah it's not... it's not it's not scary yeah, it, he's he sounds like a goth. He's just like a goth. I don't know. He, I, that really likes Johnny Depp. He's a very rich goth kid. Is yeah, pretty much exa- what he is. essentially. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess that's like I think that's all I've played really besides like vignettes and a few other small games and Puyo Puyo, which is a Puyo Puyo game. I want to play that. Me too. It's a good. It's the perfect Switch game. I guess that's something I can say about it. It's like it's really the perfect Switch game. So you can play it before bed. You could put it in your TV and play against your friends, and it's like and there's so many modes in that game that's kind of great. It's like no matter what, there's something for if you're just like into Tetris, you can just play only the Tetris modes, or if you're really into Puyo Puyo, you can only play Puyo Puyo modes. Like there's and there's an adventure mode, so there's like a story in it. And there's like there's a bunch of shit in that game. It's worthwhile. A deep story. <laughs> no, nah, it's really long. It's really? like fucking ten chapters long. <laughs> I think. Like, I think I've played it, I want to say, maybe 15, 20 hours. Oh but that's, like, God. not just the venture mode, but oh. it's, like, the other modes, too. It's, like, a, it's a mixture. But the adventure mode's really long. But you can skip all the cutscenes, so, like, if you just want to play the game, like, the little challenges in it, you can just skip to that, and that's fine. I would never. <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> you have I... to see the story. The story's kind of endearing. It's, like, kind of cute. But it's not, like, any... It's just fluff. It's not really anything. Yeah. It's really weird. It's like they're in space and then they're like Puyo Puyo's and the Tetris world have collided and there's like all this just Who's weird they? stuff. What do you mean? Well it's just like the Puyo Puyo characters. Puyo 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 I can't say can I Puyo even say Puyo, that? Puyo Puyo. Puyo Puyo. Puyo Puyo. Puyo Okay. I mean Puyo 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 has always had characters. <laughs> oh really? I mean I don't think it's had a story because not many has been not many have been like localized in the u.s before so that's why it's like a big deal for a bunch of people because it's like oh my god they're localizing puyo puyo do i have to but, read the tie-in 
Puyo Puyo books to understand this one? Or, no. Or can I just jump right in? I mean, you just jump in. Like, they introduce the characters, but those, like, it's, like, the same characters from, like, past Puyo Puyo games. Because there's, like, Puyo Puyo Chronicles. Puyo oh Puyo God. 2 is the... Puyo Puyo 2 is the best one. Read. And I think... What do you think the names of the characters are? Um... <laughs> oof. Also, uh, their character is based off Tetris blocks. What? Okay. okay. Well, that's a whole other thing, because those ones are obviously just named, like, Dimitri, There's... Mikhail. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know. But I don't know. What, what I mean, would... well, there's T, T that's, and he's, like, the T-shaped Tetris block. Yeah. <laughs> Little T-box? L? He's the king. He's the king of, he's the Tetris king. Is oh, there yeah. L and Little L, like the Jamiroquai song? Um, there's, I think the, the, um, not the L block, the one that's like the four in a row, just the straight, the long straight line. He's a dog with glasses. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's cool. Josh, I feel like I could try to name some of these Puyo Puyo characters, but I need like a visual description of one of them, you know? Cause oh, I, I don't know their names either. I'm here. just curious as to what you think they are. <laughs> Katie, what does like one of them look like? Hold on. Just a, it's like an anime or... character, right? Oh, really? Are they people or are they? I think they're like people, like yeah. Objects. <clears throat> I think they're just people, like anime people. Dogs. Anime people. Hmm. Yeah, there's like there's okay. So what? I'm trying to think. What would you name a girl with long blonde hair and a big witch hat? Mm. Susie. Esmeralda. No, her name's Witch. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Oh. Okay. I, I get the approach now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> For instance, what would you name a dog wearing a hat? Dog. Dog hat. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think that's, like, the only one with, like, a very weird name. <laughs> like, a very literal name. Like, I think, yeah, the rest of these... There's a guy named Clug? I don't... That's okay. a that's a good name. Nice. Oh, also, okay, what would you name a long green-haired guy with horns off the side of his head that's dressed like a prince? Boyfriend. Philip. His name, his name is Dark Prince. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I like that for witch, but I... Dark Prince is... Yeah. That's stupid. I've There's t- literally a character in here that I feel like looks like a direct ripoff of like Rilakkuma the bear because it's a bear, and his name is Risu Kuma, but I wonder like the chronol like did Rilakkuma already exist at this point when this character came out? You should you should dig into this. <laughs> right, an expose. This is my big investigative. <laughs> this is my investigative breakthrough. You do klepik style I'm gonna get the investigation. An in-depth a Pulitzer. <laughs> Katie's gonna embed in Japan for the next six years. <laughs> <laughs> I need to find the true identity of the thing. That that sounds cool. I would I would be interested in that game even if it was just like here's straight up Tetris, here's straight up 
Puyo Puyo. Yeah, you it's it's honestly both. fine. Like in my review of it, I gave it like three and a half because there's like a couple modes in there that are just like not that fun. But it's like it's not the best in Tetris and it's not the best in Puyo Puyo, but it's like a, a fine mix of both of them. And there's so many modes in it, it's like it's fine. Yeah. I don't know. That's a weird yeah. thing to review. Yeah, it was it was kind of hard because I've I'm so used to just like reviewing games that have like a lot to them and this is just like you know very <coughs> mechanics heavy but mm-hmm. I don't it's know, a fun I exercise okay though yeah you did good i did fine <laughs> you did great but yeah tetris ds is still the best tetris game puyo puyo 2 is still the best puyo puyo game but puyo puyo tetris is a really good switch game i feel like it's one of the best switch games probably it's like really good Dang. for co-op stuff and just like playing before bed shit sick mm. Is, I think it's weird that that's maybe the most convincing argument to get a Switch that I've seen so far. Is Yeah, it's just kind of like a, you could play it anywhere. Because, like, you could sit on a couch with... Oh, my God, I feel like I'm doing, like, marketing now. You could sit on your couch with your friends and enjoy a non-alcoholic beverage and play on the TV, <laughs> you know, and then for wind-down times, you could just, you know, take it into bed, have a nice relaxing Sunday evening with the switch and puyo puyo tetris <laughs> hell yeah that's Hashtag what i was doing spawn. i like i played with friends played it a lot it's great i'm probably still gonna play it even after i'm done reviewing it which i mean i guess it's like puyo puyo tetris so it's different but i usually don't play reap or play more game of a game after i'm done reviewing it. you'll be playing that on your deathbed as an old lady probably honestly i probably will or on the switch's deathbed <laughs> On both, so. simultaneously. <laughs> on both. Same I thing. Wanna, I, I won't want to live anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, such a diehard Nintendo fan that I'm going to go out when Nintendo goes out. <laughs> Are they going to go out with the Switch? Is that is that your prediction? No. You check back I, in like seven years. I don't. I don't know, man. I'm not a. I'm not a businessman. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a businessman. <laughs> I'm not. I don't That's know. Great. I don't know about <laughs> financial stuff. If I knew that, I wouldn't be writing about games. <laughs> <laughs> would have made this mistake in my life. Shit. I'd be wearing right. an expensive suit. I said, let's go to a break. Let's go to our first break here. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, break time. Bye, everyone. Be right back. We were talking a little bit earlier about (laughs) stories in video games, and I'm just curious, like, do you guys think stories are good in games or bad? (laughs) That's such a loaded question. Do you think they're good or bad? Like, black and white? Like, Reed, you start. (laughs) Since you're the guest. Are are stories good or bad? Respond. Yeah. I I am pro stories. (laughs) I I, uh, have loved... I'll tell you something very personal. Um, I've loved stories since I was a little boy. Um, oh, wow. I was read stories. Tell me more. How old are you? I was read stories as a baby. How old are you? Uh, sorry? How old are I'm, you? I'm uh, 48. 
48 <laughs> years old. No, I'm man, I'm 30. I'm old. That's 30 years. You're 30? Of... Yeah, I turned 30 oh, last fuck. year. Yeah, oh, it fuck. sucks. I should not. I should, I'm sorry. I should not say my age right now. He's had a few Kate. years since he was baby, a baby. A little boy <laughs> is what Katie. he's trying to say. Katie is actually 12 years old. That's why she's afraid to reveal I mean, it. that's... <laughs> Honestly, I sound like I'm 12. Like, I have a very young voice. I have a very young face. Like, I get carded for, like, rated R movies still. Um, I get car- I don't get carded at bars as much, surprisingly. But it's always a rated R movie. They're like, oh, can I see your ID? I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm, because... like, way over 17 at this point. <laughs> but... Bart so I still get ner- I still get nervous every time I get carded, no matter what. I don't know what the fuck it is, because like I know I'm of the age. I do too, though. It's it's, it's just so like weird. something about like produce your ID. It's like well I don't know. It's yeah. years of hard coded. Like... I don't well, know. I'm... What was your so what was your story childhood like? What was that like? <laughs> Being a kid. Uh, I'd say it was a fairly typical story childhood. My parents used to read stories to me. Uh, they put me into it in front of a television that told me stories. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I. Um, if if I wasn't doing stuff in games, it would be books and music, really. Like I, I write fiction, not as much as I should and and want to. Uh, but you know. So what do you think is the best story in games? Uh, te- Puyo Puyo, starring <laughs> Witch, starring Witch and Dark Prince. <laughs> the two <laughs> um I, I don't know josh these questions are brutal man <laughs> these are terrible questions these are the, the fundamental questions we have to ask if we want our medium to progress as a whole you guys our story's good like that's like it's like fucking no duh but also not every game needs a story it's like it depends i don't know um does horizon yeah, I, zero dawn need a story what's the story is horizon zero dawn a good better game because it has story or no what are you doing josh <laughs> <laughs> i'm hanging you're up like, on this call <laughs> you're like antagonizing me like i'm gonna like pop a blood vessel no. <laughs> um it's an open world game that really relies on narrative so yes it does need a story the story it weaves is not very good Mm-hmm. And I think it's because it really rushes, like, everything in that game. Like, you meet... Okay, so I'm gonna go full spoilers. I don't give a shit. Sorry, Josh. Oh, so... <laughs> headphones now. <laughs> Are you really? Or you... No, no, you're not. Okay. They're out of my ears, listeners. <laughs> um. So, right when you, you get into that game, you meet aloy but she's like a baby she's literally a baby the first time we meet her and then we meet her like surrogate dad like some dude that's just like i guess this is my baby now and she's like baptized or something and then it's like it kind of establishes this whole thing like these two are outcasts they're not like accepted by this local tribe or whatever and also the tribe's like all white people so that's like another that's like another thing (laughs) and they it's it's you know it's weird and then it flash forwards and she's like a kid and she's learning how to hunt and then she finds this like little device thing that makes her like see the movements of like robots or whatever like stealthy stuff i don't i'm describing this so terribly right now no it's (laughs) i i have played this and reviewed it and you're describing the intro accurately yeah it's like it's 
she's like a sassy kid because you know every kid in anything is sassy for some reason that's just like a thing and then she's an adult and then she she's a sassy adult too she's a sassy adult yeah she doesn't like have any character growth like she's just like always the same and it's like they do these little things where it's like there's like a character dialogue option and you can choose the dialogue and it like determines how she interacts but it doesn't really do it she's sassy all the time she could be like slightly more compassionate she could be full sassy or she could be mean and that's like but it doesn't like reflect on how she interacts beyond that situation and it doesn't hold any weight at all like it's just like a right like oh i guess you can act differently in this scenario which is but i like i'm actually fine with that in theory yeah like kentucky zero does that kind of thing where it's yeah you are essentially creating uh your character by choosing kind of how they react to things but you're right that like her responses are just it's like what kind of inflection does her sass have (laughs) you know yeah. is it yeah, like and... loving sass or mean sass and the first time we meet her dad figure i feel like i instantly knew like oh this dude's gonna die and then yeah. he dies it just happens and it's like such a not like anticlimactic thing it's like there's this big thing that happens where like this competition or whatever she's i don't even remember what it is it's like something the proving i think it's was called i don't yeah, like so she she's supposed to do this thing and if she wins she's like accepted as part of this tribe that's like ostracized her her whole life and then it gets ambushed and then her dad dies her fake dad dies but then she's like on she goes on this journey she's like I gotta find my mom um her mom turns out to be like this lady from like the past which is kind of like our our future like in the present day because like humans made these robots that went crazy Oh, I mean, I guess I'm spoiling the whole plot now. It's just, like, really... It's not developed well. And also, the head writer on that game is, like, a guy. And it's just, like, another game about, like, a young woman trying to find her mom. But I don't think they make me as a woman who has, like, a very close relationship with her mom. Like, I don't think it, like, understands those relationships very well. It just feels very, like, empty and just, like... Hack, I don't know. I don't want to call it hacky because that's kind of insulting. But it's just like, like there's some parts that in that in that game are good. It's not all bad. Like there's a mm-hmm. few. Mo- it has its moments for sure. But it's just like, as a whole, it's just so underwhelming and mediocre, and it just like bummed me out. And it's kind of like the same problem that that movie Brave had, which was a Pixar movie that was directed by a woman originally, and it was like supposed to be this like really, like personal emotional movie about. A mother and daughter and then pixar essentially was like well what about the other like boys and the other kids and just brought in two male directors to like change it up and then that movie's a mess and that movie's not very good now so it's like i don't know it's weird it's like i don't want to be the type of person that's like a man can't direct or write a, a story about women because that's like that's stupid um but I don't know. It's just it's just missing that touch. It's missing that feminine touch that I think that story really needed, and it feel it makes it feel ingenuine playing it. Well, yeah, so much of it just feels kind of, I don't know, sanded down and yeah, made to be kind of. It's like what you're talking about with Brave, you know, uh, the idea that this has to be for everyone, and I, which I yeah. think is like a a game story problem. Is that that totally is a game story problem. 
there are just too few that feel like they're being told because this is the story. I mean, this is what you think the bar for most stories should be is that someone wants to tell it for a purpose and they're not I mean you can tell stories collaboratively but you know someone needs to be kind of guiding the vision and and saying this is what we're going toward this is uh, what we're trying to say and it, if it alienates some people then that's fine um, so I think that's what I hate to pull in Gone Home so I feel like that's like this like cliched example that a lot of people bring up but I feel like Gone Home is successful because it's like such a singular narrative of this like queer girl story you know it's mm-hmm. like it's not trying to it's not trying to yeah exactly it's it's very it knows the story it's telling and it tells it, that story extremely well through this house and through like the environment that this like girl existed in so I'm of two minds on this video games and stories thing which is like sometimes I think video game stories are good and then other times I think video game stories are bad <laughs> I mean, there's. <laughs> I mean, there's there's definitely bad stories out there, and like we just discussed one. So a bad story. You, have you guys ever played this game called Kingdom Hearts? <laughs> no, but I've heard a lot about it. Wait, you've never played Kingdom Hearts? No. What? I, I think I talked to Josh at least. I oh, think it was we Josh. was. Oh my God! You know what? What what, what were you gonna say, Reef? Please go on. Do we just st- stumble into something? Because if you if you want some controversy, <laughs> <laughs> you want some real controversy, man, motherfuck, so Walt we... Disney and everything Whoa. he's ever made. I hate that Whoa. guy. I hate Disney. You hate. I hate Mickey you Mouse. You hate Disney. What? I hate that. Walt duck. Disney didn't make Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> I hate. I what hate... are you talking about? It's Walt Disney's Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> I hate all the scenes Walt Disney hand modeled and on a computer for Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> Those. <laughs> Man, I, yeah, I don't know. Disney's uh, Disney skeeves me out. I don't. The I don't like it. The idea of Walt Disney's Kingdom Hearts is hilarious to me. With that being the little <laughs> subtitle. <laughs> Walt, Walt Disney presents. I mean, Kingdom Hearts. In Kingdom Hearts 2, there is a Steamboat Willie. Well, it's not just Steamboat Willie. It's like a bunch of other old Mickey Mouse animations. So technically, that could be. But they Walt Disney's Kingdom Hearts 2. But they rewrote Mickey's original dialogue as written by Walt Disney Ho-ho! to make it more like... <laughs> suitable for a modern audience. <laughs> I can't do. I was gonna try and do a Mickey Mouse impersonation. I can't. Was do that it. that? One? <laughs> that sounded like Mario. Yeah. <laughs> just, oh, it's a me. You made. I mean. <laughs> I mean, I can probably do a Mario impersonation. I can't do. Mickey's has like a weird voice. Like he has like a. a thing yeah. To it. He it's sounds like, like a. He, he sounds like a sex pervert. Is what he sounds like. <laughs> That's not that's not true. Mickey's like a sweet little mouse with no, big ears. No, he's not. He's a <laughs> he's a childhood imagination ruining vermin. Oh my, holy shit! <laughs> See, there's some. What I was gonna actual... say about Kingdom Hearts is <laughs> <laughs> that story is all right. Let me just mount my argument story. in my brain here, okay? Uh, taking off my glasses and putting on my glasses real quick. Um, 
video game stories are different to different people and <laughs> uh-huh you guys i'm gonna get this take published go on at a big okay. web- website <laughs> okay at some point um they'll accept me um and to me you know what i could play kingdom hearts now i could watch a walkthrough and you know what? it won't mean that much to me i think probably but as a kid as a middle school child in going into the sixth grade that game came out and man it changed my life <laughs> and you know what not that many other stuff can do that because if you think about classics like jd salinger's the catcher in the rye not- are you serious <laughs> The, Are you comparing Kingdom Fucking Hearts to the f- Catcher listen, in the Rye? Formative teenage classics. Oh. JD oh. Salinger's Kingdom Hearts. And or Gold <laughs> Dolls, the BFG. Another classic work. Um, the, the big friendly goofy. Uh, Green Day's American Idiot. Green is Day's American classic. Idiot. My Chemical Romance, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. Yeah, that's actually a great album, even today. And Kingdom Hearts had a special place in my heart at that time. And I think that uh, a story is good um, for people <laughs> who are playing have you <laughs> Have you played Kingdom Hearts 2? Yeah, I have. I don't I don't stand for that game. It's like, it's what, it's... Okay. It's, that game is it can the fuck... Go. That game is maybe the worst story in games, yeah, it's, actually. Yeah. <laughs> It's so it's fucking fun. weird. It doesn't make any sense. It starts. You play for like five hours as a character you've never met before. It does. It does like the Metal Gear Solid Two thing, but it's like not good. It doesn't like swap you for like the whole game. It's like you're gonna play as this blonde kid, and we're gonna shove in this whole new storyline about the Organization Thirteen and all this convoluted shit. And there's not just Heartless anymore. There's these other guys too. I feel really like And it's just so. Game. It's so bad. But, so, on the other hand, so bad. there's a lot of games that I play that don't have a story that I could really like. So, if you think about Tetris, that game doesn't have a story. I mean, games don't need stories. That's what I was kind of saying earlier. I mean, I'm not saying like games are better without stories. It depends on the game. Like, Tetris, mm. you don't need a story for Tetris. True. Even Except for Mario, Puyo Puyo Tetris. I don't and then, even sure. think the thing, what's kind of cool about video games, though, is that you could kind of decide whether you want a game or, or a story or not by skipping cutscenes. So you're free to choose. That's true. I feel like That's actually true. Josh is not participating in this conversation in good faith. <laughs> I mean, what is faith? That. <laughs> well, I will refer you to the seminal treaties on religion. <laughs> In video games, Outlast Two. <laughs> <laughs> um, Any thoughts, Reed? On 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 uh, on Kingdom Hearts and Tetris doesn't need a story. Tetris. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna chime in a bit. Yeah. Please. Again. Please yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so I I think I mean I feel like we're in kind of like the renaissance of games right now where we can't have these like super story driven games that like like Edith Finch for example where it's like a game where the story I feel like almost comes first and like second to the gameplay and I feel like we're getting more into that territory 
Um, those games like kind of straddle both well. Like I think The Last of Us is kind of like a good example of that, where it's like it's enjoy it has really good <laughs> stealth if you're playing on the highest difficulty and not anything below that, and it tells like a really good story too. In addition to that, and I think a good story can definitely elevate a game. Like, The Last of Us if it didn't have that story in front of it. It would just be, like, a whatever game, I think. But because it has both of these things, and if, obviously, as I said, like, if you're only playing on, like, the hardest difficulty, which I think is the only way that game is enjoyable, um, it feels... Like, the two kind of work together in a way. It's, like, on that difficulty, which I think is survivor mode, it's, like, you're really... Like struggling to survive, and like, all items in that game are super scarce, and it feel you feel like you're in that post-apocalyptic environment just as much as like the characters feel it. And I think like we're at a point in games where like sometimes that can work together really well. Sometimes it's just like a game can have a really great story and just like whatever gameplay, or really good gameplay and a whatever story. But a good story can elevate a game beyond that in my opinion well I, I always think of it as like to be honest I always think of it as being sort of tied together kind of like intrinsically um, mm -hmm. because there there is a way sometimes to say you know I like the way this plays but the story is whatever or or it doesn't seem to fit or you know this or that or the other but you know you could take uh, something that has no explicit story to it. it it's just you know a character moving through an environment but just the the art and the music and and your goals or even just how it feels to move a character around tell some kind of story um i mean really like the whole thing that we're talking about with you know the idea of stories and games is just the games are just a medium right i, I don't think they're anything other than just a, a way to create something so to me like the idea of stories being good or bad or necessary or irrelevant or anything is just it's it's almost feels just kind of like besides the point you know yeah like, on that token on the on an actual serious note here um i do think that it like people treat it like a zero-sum game it's like maybe games would be better off you know, if someone were to theoretically say maybe games would be better off without stories type thing, it's like why, it's like why, like you can put a story in a game and then like just, it doesn't, it for the most part, a lot of people I think see stories in a lot of video games as kind of background noise that they don't really pay attention to and they're just in it to play the actual game anyway. I know there's a lot of games mm -hmm. where I just kind of like zone it out but I'm not like, oh this game would be better if like I was just playing as like a triangle moving around on a screen that goes from point A to point B and like jumps over like objects every once in a while. Having that sort of framing and having a sort of art style and some sort of some sort of box to put your game into, like it gives it shape and it gives the like the game itself character and and it enriches the experience in a way that I don't think like if I wanted to play like what's it called video ball every single time i wanted to play a video game not everything has to be this like shapeless dead thing even if the story doesn't necessarily like enrich the game itself i think it's like nice to have a frame around it which i think story helps with sometimes yeah absolutely and you know 
I, I don't know. It's such a big and then small question. Yeah. To to. That's that's kind of my frustration with a lot of like the discussion around, um, this this whole topic is it just feels almost like a like a non. It feels pointless. It's like a it's like a debate from like the early two thousands or late nineties. It's like not. It doesn't feel relevant anymore because there's so many different types of games and there's so many tools for people to make their own games and there's like platforms like Itch.io where like literally anyone can upload a game it's not uh-huh. like steam where it has like these gatekeepers so it's like i feel like now more than ever like these type of questions don't fucking matter like mm-hmm. anyone can make a game anyone can make art they can throw a story in there if they want they don't have to if they don't feel like it fits their game it's like it's stupid i mean like a good story can elevate anything like yeah. where like that's kind of like you know i don't know <laughs> No, I mean it's it's whatever you know, whatever you're trying to communicate through the game. Um, I think just by the nature of of games themselves, people are going to there is going to be some some element of story imposed on anything. Just in the way mm-hmm. there is in a song that could be you know twenty minutes of uh, just purely instrumental. You're going to impose some kind of story on it. Because that's, I think, a lot of times how we make sense of of everything, how we feel things, um, how we intellectualize things. So I, I agree with like what you said, read about how like I don't know how it, and and Katie too how the conversation just doesn't necessarily really matter that much. Like I think there's a huge extent to which everyone they have their own things that they're bringing to the table when they say like is story good or bad is it necessary unnecessary it's like everyone's approaching it with their own specific thoughts and their own specific angles and it's like you bring your own thing to this discussion which is like yeah it's cool it can have value but it's also kind of hackneyed by this point um i will say that like i like this this thing that i see recently of like where the the story is like really far in the background and like it's not really that big of a part of the game itself like i'm thinking uh specifically of like overwatch and league of legends type things where it's like there's a story there's a lore and if you are interested in checking that out um it's there if you want to do it but i've never really looked into league of legends lore at at all but it, it like it's still to me as a game that has a story it exists in the background like i was sort of talking about before that like doesn't detract from the game experience at all it gives like it gives character and it imbues everything in that game with a lot more life than it would have otherwise if there was no quote story um but yeah it's reductive to say that like it shouldn't have that just because it's an esport or whatever well yeah and i mean like games like overwatch or league of legends or something are just you know it's a completely different and it's like goes back to the idea that just well games are a medium they can be whatever they want to be you can have something that's meant for you just to pick up and play it and here are some characters and maybe you know nothing about them other than what they look like and that's fine and you just want to you know shoot the guns and move around and make them do fun power things um, but you know that's completely different than someone who like talking about Edith Finch again that's a game that sets out to it's it's not about hey how fun is it to control this kid swinging on a swing like that's you know it's just not the point of the game um so yeah i don't know man it can, just, it can be anything 
it's uh I, I find these questions like especially these grand questions are almost like unique to games and the idea that everyone's wringing their hands about what games are capable of and what they can be and maybe we should just like <laughs> encourage people to do whatever they want with them and as critics sort them as they come you know and, and try to make sense of what we're seeing and it doesn't have to be on a grand sweeping scale it can just be <clears throat> this game succeeds at what it's what it's doing or doesn't or it's interesting for this reason or not for this other reason um <clears throat> i don't know i just kind of like dislike it seems like it's more in games than in most other places i mean i guess like tv has this too where they'll say is this the great is, is tv the best form of storytelling that exists right now mm -hmm. it's like oh who fucking cares <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. yeah there's good tv there's bad tv there's good movies there's bad movies there's it's just so yeah, huge. Yeah, especially since TV's, like, a bigger thing than I... Or I feel like it's more of, like, a budget and more, like, big-name stars are going to TV. It's, like, people are viewing it as they would... Or critics are viewing it as they would movies. So it's, like, brings up this whole thing of, like, standards. Mm -hmm. Whatever. It's really weird. Yeah. It's, like, there's... It's, like, there's good TV, there's bad TV. Just, like, there's good movies and bad movies. And good games and bad games. Yeah. That's just how it works. <laughs> Well, and what you're saying, too, about, like, you know, TV, and then if it's going to be met with the same kind of standards as film or something, I I think there's no reason, also, that we shouldn't have those same standards for video games. I think... Oh, yeah, totally. Like, tied into all of this is the stuff that people just excuse a bad story by saying, well, maybe it's not the focal point of the game. And it's like, well, if it's there and you're asking players to frame their entire experience of a game by you know watching 15 minutes of you know computer generated film and like listen to dialogue the entire time they're playing a the game then it has to be judged on uh its merits yeah i think it depends on how the game frames that story like yeah for sure my like my problem with Friends Zero Dawn, and it sucked because in that embargo I couldn't talk about the story at all in the review, so it's just mm -hmm. like a bunch of like very vague, vague sentences. But like that game positions the narrative as being like the most important part of that game, and it's so weak, and it's a lot of like walking around a space with listening to audio logs, and it's just like not a very great way to tell a story and I just I just didn't care about any of the characters because they never build on any of the characters except for like this one random dude with like a beard that you meet once and you have a few missions with. Oh yeah that guy. <laughs> that guy yeah. He's like the only guy that has character development in that entire game. Uh, what, That's it. What about the dude from Lost and... Oh yeah. <laughs> the, the hologram dude? Was he uh... Yeah. What was his name? Was he Daniels in The Wire? I think he was he was I in the wire so. too. He was he? like he was one of the he was one of the cop the he was like the main cop, right? He wasn't the, the kind of like he wasn't the uh, senior <laughs> Oh my god. No. Not Omar Idris. He's not Omar. <laughs> no. Omar was in a video game though too. I think all yeah, of these guys have been in video games. Stringer Bell was <laughs> in uh Idris Elba was in like a modern warfare game, I think. Oh yeah, he was. For like two seconds. That's dope. I think it was that might have been last year's Love actually. They always get a they get a celebrity every year, and I think this year they have like the guy from Transformers. It's really yeah. stupid and hilarious. It's like they went down. It's like wow, they must have really not made money on the last one, huh? Uh, the guy <laughs> they got this time was a tier of celebrity. Where when I was watching 
that trailer for that Call of Duty, I wasn't sure if I recognized <laughs> yeah, exactly. him or I was just, just like, looked like someone. Is that the guy from Transformers? And then I looked it up and I was like, that's the guy from Transformers. Okay. Yeah, I saw his name and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that sounds like a name. What was the <laughs> year like Kevin Spacey? I feel like that was like top tier. Yeah, it's all been downhill like the... from Spacey. Kevin Spacey. Spacey is their top get and they're like, well, we can't can't do as well now. Oh. Last year was Jon Snow, I think. From, uh, oh, yeah. I don't, I don't even know Kit his Harrington. name. I just know he's Kit Harrington. Okay. Kitty Cat. Kitty Cat Harrington. Yeah, Kit, quote, Kitty Cat Harrington. Um, this is a fun bit of trivia that I only discovered because I replayed that first Call of Duty. Jason Statham <laughs> is a voice in it. What? In the first oh, one? Oh, really? Yeah. Like Call yeah. of Duty, the game? Yeah, like OG 2003 World War Two era wow. Call of Duty is Jason Statham. Was that is. before his film career or like when it was like taking off? It was like 2003, I so <clears throat> I think was like, that like was that Crank era? It might be like just before. I like he was in Lockstock and he was in Snatch mm. too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. In, I think he was in Snatch. I think both of oh, those yeah, were up by Snatch. then. I don't know if well, maybe the so trans- he was like that's weird. I don't know. Like I watched those Guy Ritchie movies back in the day, and I played Call of Duty when it came out, and I did not recognize his voice. <laughs> and you can not not recognize his voice when you hear it now. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, weird. Cool. That dude has a distinct voice. I feel like. Oh yeah. Yeah. He sounds like he's, I don't know, biting the Union Jack flag at all times. <laughs> 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 yes, he does. <laughs> sure does. That was sorry. That was also a, a bad aside that so probably <laughs> so derailed everything. I think to to wrap up here, video game stories are what you make them to be, <laughs> and there's no right or wrong way to do it. Everyone, if you're listening to this, David O'Reilly, Nina Freeman. <laughs> Cliff Blazinski, David Jaffe, <laughs> Cliffy B. Everyone, oh, d- no David matter Jaffe who you are out there, tell your story. Tell your story. Don't be afraid to make your video games as story driven or story not driven as you feel comfortable <laughs> with. Story undriven. Do your thing and don't let anyone stop you, and the world will be better for it. Thank you. I think it's rude, Josh, that you're dictating your article that you're being paid to write <laughs> as Katie and I are sitting here. I'm actually have to uh, listen speech to, to text. <laughs> 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 and it's going to be published uh, straight away at a, at a big video nice. game website. No editing. It'll be up in five minutes. <laughs> I mean, ga- I mean, game sites don't wouldn't just publish someone without editing. <laughs> no, no, of course not. Of course not. Um, <laughs> I know I'm the guest, but can I can I ask you guys a question on this? Yeah, of course, man. Fire away. Fr- no way. On this fraught topic. <laughs> Shoot. What would you, what would you say aside from uh, Walt Disney's Kingdom Hearts is is a good <laughs> story in games that you would kind of hold up as saying, look at this, you know, this this is something that that. Uh, is maybe aspirational in some way. Not even that. 
just something that you would say, look at this is worthwhile. It could it could only have been told through through this medium we we love so dearly. Josh, you go first. I'm I'm thinking of something. Katie's deep in thought. <laughs> I'm deep in thought. I'm googling. She's like really digging deep. I'm looking on Google. Good video game stories. You know what? Help me. I. It doesn't have to be like some. I don't know. It doesn't have to be the Citizen Kane. You know what I'm saying? It yeah, just be yeah. That. So I like got the Citizen Kane of video games that exists. I actually would say that I really. I mean, I don't think it's the pinnacle of game storytelling or storytelling in general. Um, but I think it does something that is like really unique and interesting and good to games, which is I really like The Witcher 3. I talk about this game maybe every episode mm. of this podcast so far, <laughs> which is that it's like super bite-sized in a non-episodic way that you can like log on and you can just like or log on. You can just like open the game and have like three conversations with random people and just be like, oh, I was like, I had some good conversations with with like a little yeah. dwarf and like a, an elf and stuff like that and it i don't know it feels like you got something out of it in like really bite-sized chunks and then it comes together over like longer play sessions uh in a way that's i found really satisfying and in a way that was really something i don't get out of most games um and i guess qualifies as story in its own way in a way that like say breath of the wild might not might not strict quote strictly qualify a story even though like i consider like getting from point a to point b its own little story because you like are looking at stuff and you can kind of you're like deciphering these landscapes around you and figuring out all these really neat stories that you're kind of filling in with your imagination um because you're like man i wonder what this used to be or like i wonder what used to be here and like all those answers to those questions exist within the game but um unraveling those in your brain and filling in the blanks is kind of a cool thing that I like about that game, which is not strictly story speaking, but um, no, but it is right. It, it functions in the same way, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the right answer. I think Witcher Three is the best, probably. I mean, not the best, like, but it's the closest we'll get to a Citizen Kane in game <laughs> stories because, it, like, I feel like it operates on what it's like to play a game it doesn't try to like tell like a story that you can find in another medium it like utilizes the fact that it is a game in like a really interesting way and the fact that you can yeah like you can pick it up and play it for like an hour and you get a story out of it or you can like binge it for like 10 hours straight and like unravel like this big meaty tale of like a whole side quest or something like yeah um I was trying to think of that Sonic game with humans in it, and I couldn't think of it, so my joke thing really... With humans in it? Yeah, there's a Sonic game with humans in it. What? Yeah, there's... like a thing. There's a picture where... Uh, Is this Sonic Heroes? I don't... I can't There's a Sonic game with humans in it? Yeah, there's... I I have... There's a girl that kisses Sonic. What is the point of this? Because that's... That's where we're going. That's why stories shouldn't exist in games. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair i think that game's like early 2000s so it's not like anything recent hmm. no it's actually what all this discussion lately has been centered on <laughs> is, look what games have have wrought and what do we do now <laughs> what do, how do we react to this <laughs> um i asked that um. question and i didn't i didn't have a go-to uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think I have like a 
I think I kind of discussed other, like, Gone Home, I think, is a really good example, as cliche as it may be. But also, like, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like Witcher 3 was what I was thinking of, and then Josh took it. So. Well, those kind of games are good. Like, Gone Home, I still think one of the most impressive things about that game is just how it managed to kind of have the... Uh, it's it's directed like a movie, but you're never coerced into doing anything at a certain time, and it's yeah. kind of like paced like a, a well-told short story, but you're you know also not being funneled along. You're moving at your own pace, but still somehow it has you know these story beats and these moments that feel like when you get to them is exactly when they were supposed to happen. Yeah, which is I think fascinating. Um, and it's hard to see the seams of of how they how they pulled that off other than just you know incredibly uh that they're incredibly talented at designing virtual spaces and you know predicting how the player's attention will you know latch on to different things but i don't know and then like stuff like the last of us i think is great and you know the witcher 3 is for all the reasons that you guys were saying so good like these places where you're just inhabiting something and and the everything you do is sort of accounted for as as part of like a larger story that that all makes sense within that context like mafia 3 did that um red dead redemption kind of does that i don't know i actually just thought of a game finally which one um so have you guys played the zero escape series i played played, uh, a 999 Okay, I think Zero. I I feel it's kind of a controversial opinion, but I think Zero Time Dilemma is my favorite of the series because it takes all these threads from Nine 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 and uh, Virtue's Last Reward, and it combines them with like this whole this other like this whole other part of this tale, and it's basically it operates like. I don't want to say a visual novel because it's not quite a visual novel but basically it's just like a very choice driven game like you don't really interact with your environments too much except besides like doing these escape room puzzles which are like the weakest part of that game but it's kind of insane how how many pl- directions that story can go because it's like literally like you get what looks like not a spreadsheet but like this web of different places the story can go and it's like the craziest looking thing like it's just like if you make a choice here the the story branches off and it's just like all these different layers of like two to three to four to like different places the story can go and it manages to do this like build this really crazy story uh with all these different directions and all these different outcomes depending on what you do um and there's like nine characters in it so it's like you kind of like swap between these three groups of three characters and it manages to do this and by the end you like feel like you retain it all it doesn't like tell these stories sloppily it tells them in like a, a way that's like really easy for the player to understand and if they've played like the past games that's like okay like these two characters are from this game and these two characters are from this game and like you kind of like put the pieces together of like the stories from those games which are also crazy and branch in like crazy directions and whatnot but it like ties them into this really insane outcome by Zero Time Dilemma's end, and I feel like it's, like, the type of story you can really only tell in games, because it's just, like, goes in all these wild directions, 
through interacting with your environment and interacting with people, but it manages to do so in a way where you don't feel like, oh, should I miss that point at the end? Like, there's a few plot points that are, like, kind of unresolved, but it's honestly so few, and it's kind of like a miracle that it all comes together at the end, because, like, it's like this type of game, while, while playing it, you'll feel like, I don't, how is this gonna make sense at the end? There's, like, so <laughs> much going on, like, it's just yeah. so much. But by the end, you're just like, oh, shit, okay, like, this works. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't feel like a retcon thing, either. It's just, like, everything comes together in, like, a really cohesive, like, every storyline, every branch of, like, characters like it it just it works like way better than it should and it's kind of insane that that stuff too is because i think when i played the first bit of that that first one was the ds one and i was kind of thinking like oh this should just be a book i'm just reading this stuff but i yeah i i think there's something actually really cool too about like you see it a lot in like twine games where it's you know front and center but in stuff like um I didn't play the second one. That's the second one, right? The Virtue's Last or Zero. Virtue, yeah, yeah. Virtue's Last Reward is the second. Nine and Nine, I think, is the first. And then Zero Time Dilemma is the third. Okay. Yeah. But, like, these these stories where, you know, at first I was like, oh, well, this is just a book with pictures. A, a picture book. A visual <laughs> novel. Um, but the, the way that you can do that stuff with branching all over the place like yeah you can do that in a book with appendices and everything and footnotes but it's an enormous pain in the ass and it feels everything feels like an aside if you have to flip to the back of a book or or do something like that um but the way you can do that in a game where it's just it's pretty much like if you're following along if you're willing to go where the game is going to take you even though it's even though a lot of times it might just be text or something um that's not really you can't really do that format in the same way with the same cohesiveness um in any other medium and it's it's super cool like near does a little bit of that kind of stuff too where it you know big theme uh automata does that thing where mm-hmm. it's like you know these you're kind of reliving these cycles and it does it by presenting it sort of as like new game plus but then you know it's it's trying to communicate something with that format of cyclical stories that change in little ways and um i don't know it's these these sometimes these like really small ways of telling stories that can only be done in games are are really interesting i feel like i just kind of wandered off into the weeds trying to describe <laughs> that it's okay man we're all in the weeds right now always always in the, in the weeds um i think we're ready to wrap it up you guys are yeah uh-huh i think so well reed why don't you uh give us where you are you want to plug something of yours uh-huh yeah i got a new tv show coming out it's <laughs> called uh, i do um bullet points which is <laughs> i feel like we... tv show bullet points my tv show bullet points starring <laughs> me and ed smith and patrick Lindsay. Um, no, I do bullet points. So it's like we do a podcast where we talk about our criteria is just the game has to have a projectile weapon of some kind in it. So at first it was like first person shooters and then just anything with any kind of gun. So as loose as that can be taken as, uh, we do a podcast where it's one game every two weeks. Uh, we discuss it. 
uh, often with guests. And then we do bullet points monthly where we do kind of a similar format with newer games. So for example, we just did um, April was near Automata and we'll usually, the three of us write a piece each um, kind of doing a little critique or analysis or whatever of the game on hand and then we'll commission a guest to do a week as well. Uh, and this month was a little bit different. Like we had Zach, uh, I can never pronounce his last name right. Bud, Bud Gore. Gore. Yeah. Bud Gore. Uh, I, I literally have Zach in my phone as Zach Bug because I couldn't <laughs> remember his last name and I had to text him when I was in LA once and I was like, uh, Zach Bug. Bud, Bug. Zach Bug. So. Bug. Bug. Yeah, like we did this thing this month where uh, Ed Smith, who also an editor on both those, uh, wrote an article about Near Automata, and then I wrote one, and then there's a conversation between Ed and Zach Budgore, and then a guest column by Julie Muncy, or not a column, but a guest article. Um, that's a long explanation. I'm, we've been doing this for a while, and I should probably be able to describe it more quickly by now, but, <laughs> but I can't. Uh, so yeah, check that stuff out, bulletpointspodcast.com and bulletpointsmonthly.com. And then my other stuff, man, I post it on Twitter, at, at Reed McCarter. That's where it all ends up, eventually. R-E-I-D, Mick Carter, M-C-C-A-R-T-E-R, everybody. That's, that's Reed McCarter. Thanks, Reed, for coming on the show. Thank you. Oh, thanks so much. Thank you, Especially guys. Especially short notice. Yeah. We appreciate and it. And thanks no, to everyone fun. for listening to Bad End Podcast. Um, we are on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Um, we have an email account. Reach out to us there. Uh, we are on Twitter at Bad End Podcast. Um, and we are, our Gmail is badendpod at gmail.com. Uh, so follow us there. Give us likes. Um, the biggest thing I think usually is to rate us and review us on iTunes if you get the chance. So give us uh, a review. And that's of a huge help. And retweet us and do all that other good stuff. Uh, but thanks so much, and we will see you in a couple weeks. Later. Peace. <laughs>